Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Travel Squad Podcast. We're four friends that grew up together in the same small town. We followed each other to San Diego, and now we adventure the world together. One passport stamp at a time. We're here to share our travel stories and inspire you to go on your own adventures. Even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. Kim. And I'm Dana. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Podcast. So grab your tickets. Your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hello. Welcome to episode 48 of the Travel Squad podcast. Today, we are taking you with us to the beautiful city by the bay, San Francisco. San Francisco is one of America's most famous cities. It's in countless movies, tons of TV shows, and for really good reason. It's amazing. All of us grew up just about an hour and a half drive from the city, as they called it. And we've all taken so many trips to San Francisco over the years. It will always hold a very special place in my heart. It will always hold a special place in my heart, too. Actually, one of my earliest memories in California was going to the Golden Gate Bridge with my family. And since then, I've been back so many times. There's just so much to do and see in San Francisco, and it's constantly changing and evolving. So no experience will ever be the same to you, and you can do something different with each visit. Fun fact for you guys, when I was a kid, my family used to go to San Francisco pretty much almost every other weekend. And in order to get into San Francisco, you have to drive over the Bay Bridge. And I know that you're not going to believe this, but I used to be afraid of bridges. You? (laughs) Afraid of anything, Zana? (laughs) I was a danger ninja about bridges. (laughs) And I would cry so hard and I'd be sitting in the backseat and my mom would have to hold my hand as I cried as we drove across the bridge. I got over that fear. I'm good. I'm good now. Fun fact, but good segue, Zana, because first thing we're going to talk about is tips. And you know, the first thing on our tips is getting into the city, which involves taking one of two bridges, either the Golden Gate Bridge or the Bay Bridge, because San Francisco is on a peninsula. So you need to take bridges regardless of which way you get in. Golden Gate Bridge is that iconic red bridge. Like you see it in any postcard, any movie, you know exactly where you're at. Golden Gate, you don't need to worry about having cash on you. In fact, I think even for the Bay Bridge now in a post-COVID world, they're not accepting cash. So you're in luck. Who carries cash these days, right? There's a fast track you can pay online. They take your license plate. It's pretty easy. I think the Golden Gate is around $8. Bay Bridge is around 5 to 7 depending on what kind of car you have, what time of day you're going. But just know that there are fees involved with both of those bridges. And the fees are going into the city itself. So when you're actually leaving, it's not a two-way toll. It's one way. So whether you're going Golden Gate or Bay Bridge, if you're going in, that's when you can expect to pay the toll. When you're going out, no tolls. Good tips and great that it's a cashless system now because who carries cash with them anyways? You know, years ago, this had to have been 2003, 2004, my best friend Josh talked his way out of not paying for the toll to get over the bridge because back then they didn't have like pay online or get an invoice. And so he cried that he didn't have any cash. And the guy was like, it's cool. You can go. 
I should have tried that because I once did not have cash and they just mailed me a ticket. I remember that, Zaina, that story with Josh. We were in San Francisco with them and we we're like, fuck it, let's just go drive across the Golden Gate Bridge. So we did, leaving San Francisco, and then we came back in and then we realized, oh crap, we don't have any cash for the toll. So we're like 18, 19. Yeah. And we got out of it at that point. But do keep in mind, since it is not cash, if you don't have the California fast track system, which most likely if you're a visitor, you do not, you have to go on to a specific California website to pay that toll within 48 hours. So if you don't, they're going to find your license plate, your state's DMV records, and they will send you a hefty fine via mail like Kim got. They will find you. Yeah, it's not 2003, 2004 where you can talk your way out of it anymore. So moving right along to the next one, San Francisco can be very cold and be very windy. So bring a jacket or a sweater just in case. And if you feel so inclined, gloves. <laughs> it's cold and windy most of the time there. Yeah, a lot of people think San Francisco, California, nice sunny weather, but it can be quite cold and windy there. And actually, Kim and I went with Kim's grandpa to San Francisco at one point, and we did not bring our sweaters or jackets because we were coming from the Central Valley. It was super hot. And when we got into the city, Kim and I were freezing and grandpa scolded us and had to buy us sweaters to keep us warm. Are you telling me Brittany <laughs> was unprepared? I have never heard this story before. I was 13 years old, Zaina. Calm down. This is how she became the prepared woman she is today. She's like, I learned my lesson when I was 13 and I was never going to repeat that shit again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and San Francisco, again, by the bay, by the ocean. So there's always that marine layer. It's known to be foggy, cloudy. Even when the sky is clear and it's sunny, you still have that chill. You still have that wind. So no matter summer, winter, fall, always have a jacket handy because you never know when you're going to need it in San Francisco. It is, however, warm in September and October. People think of summer as being like May and June and July, but actually September and October are the warmest months in San Francisco. I've been out there even once in April when it was like 85 degrees. So it can surprise you sometimes too. It is by the coast. Fun fact, I've actually been to San Francisco walking on the Golden Gate Bridge when it has snowed. <laughs> That's Ooh, how cold it was. What? Yes, yes, Wild yes. Card. It can happen. Very rare, but do keep that in mind. Point being always unpredictable in San Francisco. But another tip, just something to really keep in mind. San Francisco is along a major fault line in California, which means it is prone to earthquakes. It gets a lot of them. The last major, major earthquake was in 1906. The other past most recent notable one was in 89 when the San Francisco Giants were playing the Oakland Athletics. They're across the Bay Rivals in the World Series. They had another earthquake, and it's notable for the fact that it happened on a World Series game day. But do keep that in mind when you are there, that there may be slight tremors. I will not say you're going to be there during the big one, but slight tremors are always common in San Francisco. I have never felt an earthquake in San Francisco, but it's funny whenever anybody goes there or, you know, a friend that's going, everyone's like, oh, it could be the big one, the big one. It's a big one. <laughs> I always hear that too. And I'm laughing because that's how everyone phrases it. Yep. The big one. <laughs> it's overdue. <laughs> you never know. But the good news is the infrastructure is built a lot differently than it was when the major earthquake of 1906 took place. That is true, Zaina. I guess the city's prepared now. <laughs> so let's talk about getting around the city. It's a very walkable city. Even though it's very big, you can walk in many, many places. You know, when I was younger, we would just walk the city for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, you know what's funny, Kim, is you said that the city is big, and San Francisco is a big city in that sense, but it really is on a small plotted area of land, just a tiny little peninsula in Northern California. So there's lots of different areas of the city to be seen, but everything to an extent is in a close proximity. So you can walk from one neighborhood and site to the next, and if something's a little bit farther, you can either take the bus, the Muni, the 
cable cars that San Francisco is famous for. So there's lots of mass transit opportunities as well within the city to get you from A to B. But walking in San Francisco is just something that has to be done just as well. And I don't know if people know this or not, but San Francisco is very hilly. Oh, yeah. You could walk up and down some big hills. Yes. And fun fact, did you guys know that the San Francisco cable car system is the world's last manually operated cable car system? Oh, that's cool. I'm still bummed I haven't actually been on a cable car in all my years of life. Really? Yeah. I did that, um, the cable car, with my mom, my sister, my niece, and we had a great time. And if you don't have a chance to do the cable car, I would also recommend doing like a hop on and hop off tour because that's super fun. And you can always walk between the destinations and it's just a great way to get a layout of the city. Hop on, hop off tours are always a good idea and you get that background knowledge that you might not get otherwise. But going to cable cars, yeah, you know, Lisbon, Portugal is the one city in the world that like it just felt like San Francisco because it's also very hilly and they have cable cars. So I did ride the cable cars there and they also have a replica of the Golden Gate Bridge because yeah, the designer built the one there and the one in San Francisco. So it looks the same. Yeah. And the cable cars aren't really meant to take you very far in terms of transportation. They are pretty much primarily to take you up those very, very steep hills so you don't have to do the walking. If you want to get on San Francisco's metro system, it's called BART. That stands for Bay Area Rapid Transit. Now, there's not really that many lines or stops. It's not as comprehensive as what you would find in New York. It's pretty much very few spots, but it takes you from one spot in the city to the next, pretty much in a straight line or district. So it's not as vast and encompassing as New York. So do keep that in mind, but it gets you from one area to the next. And if I'm not mistaken, BART goes underwater too, no? Mm-hmm. Yes, it goes under the bay to get you to the East Bay, to Oakland, to Berkeley, etc. So it does get you across. But uh, in terms of within San Francisco city limits itself, very few lines, pretty much just one straight path throughout the city. So let's talk about what there is to do in San Francisco that makes it so special. We touched upon this first when we were giving tips and going over the Golden Gate Bridge, but the Golden Gate Bridge is San Francisco's most iconic landmark. No trip to the city would be complete without seeing it, visiting it. So we have to talk about Golden Gate Bridge number one right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Love it. It's beautiful. So when you're driving into San Francisco, you can always see the Golden Gate Bridge in the distance. And it's so beautiful to see. And once you actually get to it, you can walk or bike across it for free which I would recommend doing, but that's not where you're going to get the great views. To get really good views of it, you're going to want to cross into Sausalito, which is another town, and get your pictures of the Golden Gate Bridge on the other side. But remember, if you do plan to drive back into San Francisco, there will be a toll fee associated with that. Yeah, and the Golden Gate Bridge is just such a famous landmark for many reasons. At the time of its opening in 1937, it was both the longest and tallest suspension bridge in the world at the time. And so it has a main span of 4,200 feet or approximately 1,300 meters, pretty close to that, and a total height of 746 feet. So really, really tall. And it's part of California's famous Highway 101, as well as California Highway 1, which is famous for its scenic coastal route. So lots of notoriety with the Golden Gate Bridge. And what makes it even more interesting is it does span and is pretty much the dividing line that separates the San Francisco Bay from the ocean. It runs parallel to that. So literally when you're driving on the bridge, one side is the bay, the next side is the mighty Pacific Ocean. Wow, Mr. (laughs) Historian, look at you coming in hot with all those facts. Got to come in hot with the facts on the Golden Gate Bridge. I love the Golden Gate Bridge for sure. But you were saying some good spots for it was crossing over to the other city of Sausalito on the other side. But one other spot where you can get really, really good views is in Presidio Park. Now, Presidio Park was originally a area of San Francisco that was fortified by the Spanish when the Spanish controlled California. And it eventually became a U.S. military fort just as well, although it's no longer a military fort, but you can get amazing views of the Golden Gate Bridge from Presidio Park. So that is not to be missed as well. 
And then to piggyback off of the Golden Gate Bridge, the Golden Gate Park, probably San Francisco's most iconic landmark of the city. It's huge. It's bigger than Central Park in New York City. It's often compared to that. It's over three miles east to west and about half a mile north to south. So it's huge and there's so much stuff in it. It's not just a greenery park. Yeah, you just mentioned how it configures those city blocks and how long it was. So it is in the shape of a long rectangle throughout the entire city. And I know you said it's bigger than Central Park, but it's about 20% larger. So it's Ooh. it's really, really large in comparison. But within Golden Gate Park, there's so many different places to see within it. And one of my personal favorites, and I would recommend to any visitor going to Golden Gate Park in San Francisco in general, is go to Stowe Lake. Do you remember Stowe Lake, Zaina? I do. We used to get KFC and eat it at the park, which was a treat because my dad did not buy fast food. He cooked. Yeah. So when we were kids and would go to San Francisco, this is where our parents would always take us to have a picnic. We would go to Stow Lake, get KFC. With KFC? KFC. What's better than some fried chicken in the park, Kim? It is a very odd choice for picnic food. You're hating on my childhood here now, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> I had KFC in Stowe Lake. But Brittany, why don't you tell us a little bit more about it? Because there's lots of other stuff to do there than just picnic. Why don't you tell us about the highlights? So I actually hadn't gone to Stowe Lake until I met Jamal. And he actually took me on a date at Stowe Lake. Mm. And we went on a little picnic. And then on the lake itself, you can rent pedal boats. You know, the boats where you're pedaling in the water and mm. going around the lake. So Jamal and I did do that. And they're not too bad for like two people. It's about $30 an hour, which isn't crazy expensive, especially for San Francisco. And there might be an option on Viator to see if you can get it cheaper. And you can also, if you don't want to do the pedal boat, you can bike around Stowe Lake as well. And there's nice waterfalls and it's just a really nice lake to just get some scenery in. Yeah. And if you don't have your own bike and aren't bringing it to the city, you can rent the bikes there at Stowe Lake. They go for $8 an hour, or you can rent a bike for $32 a day and explore all of San Francisco on a bike or all of Golden Gate Park on the bike for that matter. Another place in Golden Gate Park that holds a special place in my heart is Hippie Hill. It was super famous in the 60s for the summer of love and famous for its counterculture revolution, which I'm sure our historian can give more information on. But this place, even though it was famous for these things in the 60s and San Francisco's heyday with the hippies, it is very much still what it was then. I've been there a couple of times for 420 where everyone gathers and celebrates marijuana culture. It was it was much more accepted in San Francisco long before it even became legal in California a few years back. So it's called Hippie Hill and it fits its name very well. Yeah. And that counterculture revolution that you were talking about, Kim, was basically the mass protests in the 60s for racial justice, as well as protesting the Vietnam War, the political establishment that was prevalent during that time in the United States. So it's famous for that counterculture and what some people deem as the hippies of the era <laughs> took place right here in Hippie Hill in Golden Gate Park. But I just want to throw this out there. Even though marijuana is now legal in California, it is still illegal to smoke in the park. However, San Francisco police do not necessarily enforce that policy. The police do turn a blind eye to marijuana usage in the park, even though smoking is illegal in the park. Yeah, and it's just a fun place to hang out. You'll see people sitting on the hills with the, their dogs, their kids even. You'll see people playing music. It's a really great place to sit and people watch for a little bit. I love my some people watching and San Francisco is definitely a good place to do it and oh, yeah. no better place than Hippie Hill. Another very famous highlight of Golden Gate Park is going to be the Japanese Tea Garden. You seem very pleased by that. <laughs> I am pleased by the Japanese Tea Garden. One, Japanese Tea Gardens are awesome and I had a real appreciation for them after we got back from our trip from Japan. So it made me appreciate the one in San Francisco even more. And I never knew this of my times visiting, but doing some research later on, I discovered that the Tea Garden in Golden Gate Park is the oldest public Japanese 
tea garden in the United States, and it was built in the 1890s. So super, super old. And it's rumored that at these tea gardens, it was the introduction of the fortune cookie in America. So the fortune cookie isn't really even like Chinese or anything like that. It supposedly was invented at the Japanese tea garden here. So fun fact. Yeah, but the tea garden is not free to enter, even though it is in the park. There is a fee of $10 to $12 for adults, depending on the season and time of year. And obviously, children are going to be lower prices than that. And you can still actually have tea in the tea house. So, Kim, that's right up your alley. You like to do high tea? Tea in the Japanese tea garden at Golden Gate Park. How cute. Yeah. Another highlight of Golden Gate Park is the California Academy of Science. And it's a huge museum. The cost is about $35 to $37. And there's so many different aspects of it. They have a planetarium. And in the planetarium, they have a 75-foot dome that displays one of the most accurate digital universes ever created. So it's super cool to watch. If you haven't gone and seen it, go check it out. They also have an aquarium, and it's one of the most biologically diverse and interactive aquariums on Earth. They have over 40,000 live animals, and it represents over 900 unique species, and it's just super amazing. So the whole experience, it's like a day trip, and it's so worth the money. I always wanted to do that. I can't wait until I can go back to San Francisco. This is definitely on my to-do list. The California Academy of Science is one of my favorite things to do in San Francisco. We used to go to the planetarium at the academy all the time when we went on our trips as kids. You remember that, Zaina? I do. And I remember going there when we were in NYSP, which is National Youth Sports Program, which unfortunately has been defunded, but it was for uh, children, summer camp. And they took us to San Francisco for that big field trip, as long as you didn't get X amount of strikes on you for misbehaving. (laughs) Random fact on that one for the NYSP, though. But yeah, very correct. But I was wondering if you were going to throw in the fact that you always remember seeing the albino crocodile, the very rare albino crocodile that is housed at the California Academy of Science. I actually don't remember that, but can you share what the albino crocodile looks like? Albino crocodiles are extremely rare. They have one here at the California Academy, and his name, by the way, is Claude. And I remember seeing him as a child, and he is still there and active. So do check out the albino crocodile. I don't think you'll see any other one in captivity anywhere else in the world. Wow, I didn't know that you even knew his name was Claude. Yeah, Jamal and I took a visit to Claude in like 2009, I think. How old is this Claude fella? I don't know his age, but he's old. I remember seeing him as a child. I'm surprised you don't remember him, Zaina. I don't. I feel so sad that I don't. So those were some of the highlights in Golden Gate Park. And so now we're going to talk about Fisherman's Wharf, another iconic tourist attraction of San Francisco. I went here many times with my family. I remember that. One of the biggest places within Fisherman's Wharf is Pier 39. Tons of shops and restaurants for those that like clam chowder. It's really known for their sourdough bread bowls and their clam chowder inside. I don't eat clams, but I hear it's very, very good. Oh, it's so good. It's one of my favorites. I know you don't like seafood, Kim, but you're about to tell me all these years of living by San Francisco, you have never eaten a clam chowder bowl and sourdough bread in San Francisco (laughs) on the pier. You know, I said I don't like clams. So yes, I have tried it. And they do also make chili bread bowls for anyone that doesn't like clam chowder, like the normal people like me. (laughs) I don't know about that. You're the abnormal person on that one. But yeah, Pier 39 is incredibly famous. It has lots of shops, lots of restaurants, but this is also where you're going to find lots of street performers. So they have something at Pier 39 called the Smart Water Stage. They have lots of magicians, comedians, acrobats, performers, and they're always on that stage in that area. So you're always going to find live entertainment there as well. But they have so much more stuff. They have an aquarium, virtual 3D ride simulators, and some of their most famous residents, the sea lions. Who wants to pick up and tell us about the sea lions here? No trip to Pier 39 is complete without seeing those damn sea lions. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I think you can hear them before you can actually see them, right, Zaina? That or smell them. <laughs> that you can. So at the pier, it's famous for having a pack of sea lions that are residents of the area. I don't know if pack is the official scientific term of what you call a bunch of sea lions, but it's really interesting. They didn't always used to be there. They started arriving in vast numbers in around January of 1990, shortly after that 1989 earthquake I told you about, the Loma Prieta that took place during the World Series. And they don't know why they arrived, but their numbers started from 10 to 50. And due to plentiful herring supply, which is fish in the area, the available dock space in the marina started protecting the sea lions there. And now they have a wild population that's grown to more than 300. And they are now continuous residents of the area there. So you will always see the sea lions just living on the docks. You know what we haven't talked about yet at Fisherman's Wharf? Ghirardelli Square. Ooh. Who hasn't been to Ghirardelli Square and gotten a Sunday? Ooh, I love Ghirardelli. I love Ghirardelli. So Ghirardelli is a famous chocolate and ice cream shop in the area. And I'm sure outside of San Francisco, people see Ghirardelli as a brand throughout the United States, but it originated in San Francisco here. And beyond just the actual ice cream and chocolate shop there, Ghirardelli Square itself houses space for over 40 specialty shops and restaurants. So beyond just getting ice cream, it is its own shopping district within Fisherman's Wharf itself. I wonder if they still give free samples of like a chocolate when you enter. I wonder as well. Maybe we need to go back and find out. I think it's our duty to go and find out. We'll report back to our <laughs> listeners once we find out. Continuing on with Fisherman's Wharf, though, we want to touch upon Pier 45. So again, just keep in mind, just like with Golden Gate Park, there's lots of things to do within the park itself. Fisherman's Wharf is a district, so we're going over things to do in the area. So there's Pier 39, and there's also Pier 45. And this is a famous pier for housing two old military Navy ships, the USS Pampatino, and the SS Jeremiah O'Brien, and they're now actual National Historic Landmarks. And so these ships are now memorials and museums, so they're worthy to check out. And even if you don't go in and do the museum tour, they're definitely cool to see the old military ships. So one of the places you can visit off of the coast of San Francisco and you can see from Fisherman's Wharf is Alcatraz. And Alcatraz is super famous. Have you guys been? I have, yeah. In sixth grade, the big field trip for sixth grade is going to Alcatraz. I've been to Alcatraz just as well and also on that sixth grade field trip. Well, I got gypped out of that sixth grade field trip. Me too. What the hell? <laughs> but it's a spooky place, so I don't know if I want to go. So you haven't been, Kim? I have not. So Alcatraz was a prison and it's now a museum and you can take a ferry to the Alcatraz Island and the tour costs about $40 for adults and it's something that you would want to book weeks in advance because the tours can sell out weeks ahead of time and it has housed Al Capone and many other famous prisoners and a few prisoners have actually escaped Alcatraz and they thought that this was the perfect prison because one, it's an island, and two, the surrounding waters, as we have already mentioned, are freezing cold. And so the thought was, one, they'd never be able to live if they did escape in the water because they thought that they would die from like hypothermia. It was also infested with sharks. Yeah, the San Francisco Bay and the ocean just right outside the Golden Gate Bridge is notorious for having a lot of great white sharks, too. So beyond the cold water, it was thought that the marine life would get them, too, if not the hypothermia. But Alcatraz is just sitting there, this perfect island in the middle of San Francisco Bay. You can see it from any spot within the city along the water. So it's just so iconic. But after a while, they decommissioned it as a prison. And again, now it is a museum. And if you're interested in learning more about the one official escape that they have recorded on the island, I forgot the name of the movie, but Clint Eastwood is the star in that movie. 
and it is unconfirmed if the people who escaped lived or died. No bodies were recovered. So to this day, it's still a mystery. There's a mystery of two brothers who ended up escaping and they never found them and they assumed that they died, but they also thought that like they escaped somewhere in South America because the mother would get like a birthday card each year and flowers were sent when the father died or something. I don't know. It's it's, it's so fascinating. There's so many things that you can look up. Al Capone died there, I think it was, from syphilis. That he got in hot springs. <laughs> that he got in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We have an episode about that. But anyways, just super fascinating. And I remember when I was there, uh, like I said, I went in sixth grade, there was a prisoner there signing his book. He wrote a book. And I remember they had him at a table. He was signing the book and he kept telling everyone like X amount of years ago, I made a mistake. Just interesting stuff. So one other thing too is I did say that there is a tour and uh, the ferry boat ride and the tours are conducted over a headset so you can walk through and see the prison cells. And it's such an amazing story. And it's just so fascinating, like some of the ways that prisoners try to escape and what they try to do to hide that they were going to be escaping and how they carved their knives and how they made it look like bodies were in their bed so that no one would look for them. It was a pretty crazy story. So moving right along, we are going to take you now to the Palace of Fine Arts. Yeah, and the Palace of Fine Arts is located in the Marina District. Now, the Palace of Fine Arts were constructed in 1915 for the Panama Pacific Exposition, which was held in San Francisco, in order to exhibit works of art. And it's not an exhibit hall anymore to exhibit any art, but the buildings there are so beautiful that they are still a tourist attraction just to go see the buildings that were built for the exposition. Yeah, they're classical European-style stone buildings with beautiful columns and a giant stone rotunda. So definitely check it out. And lots of movies have been filmed in this location for all of those Star Wars fans. They had some of the sets designed after the architecture at the palace. Yeah, so they obviously didn't film any scenes of Star Wars at the palace, but some of the cities in the Star Wars universe were designed after the structures at the Palace of Fine Arts. Moving along, we're going to take you next to the Exploratorium. The Exploratorium actually used to be at a former exhibit hall at the Palace of Fine Arts, but it has since moved and it's now at Pier 15 and 17 in the Embarcadero area of San Francisco. It's a super cool interactive science museum. Science is super cool, guys. And this one, the way they've done it up is really cool. Yeah, and the Exploratorium was founded by Frank Oppenheimer, who is the youngest brother of J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was the lead engineer for the Los Alamos project, which was the research team that actually created the first atomic bomb. So the lead guy who created the atomic bomb for the U.S. government, his brother, Frank, is the person who founded the Exploratorium. But I love this museum. It costs about $30 for adults, $29.95 for the day ticket. But there's so many cool interactive science things that are at the museum, and it's just really really amazing to see and experience. So if there's anything that you do in San Francisco, I hope you do the Exploratorium. I also grew up there, going there almost every other weekend. It's super fun and it is not to be missed. Another San Francisco attraction is the Coit Tower. It's super old, built in 1933, 210 feet tall for everyone not in the U.S. That's 64 meters. It has a top viewing deck, 360 degree views of the city and the bay. It's super pretty. You know, we love to go up on top of buildings and have these amazing views. It's really pretty. Definitely worth the trip up. If you're wondering what neighborhood it's in, it's in the Telegraph Hill neighborhood. And that's actually a cool thing about San Francisco is it's separated into all these different little neighborhoods, even though it's not too far apart, easy to get to each one. They're their own little neighborhood. So this is Telegraph Hill. The thing about Coit Tower is it's very just, it's synonymous with San Francisco and you're going to see this in a lot of movies. So it really is just a tower that gives you 360 degree views of the city, but you should still do it. It's iconic in San Francisco and that's really like, that's what it is. It's just an iconic place. And if you love an easy day, you can do a scenic hike to the tower. I would definitely recommend it. I've actually done it before and I would recommend it because parking at the tower 
is very, very limited and there's a line of cars waiting to reach the lot and it can be very long. So you can spend more time just waiting to park in that lot than it would take you to just, you know, hike it. Why not? It's an easy day. And I get, man. once you get to Coit Tower, if you do want to get to the top of the tower, there is an entrance fee of about $9, but it's super affordable and it's cheaper for seniors and children. And you can also pay for additional fees if you want a guided tour of the inside of the tower and see the painted murals on the inside. Yeah. And if you don't want to do the long hike up and you don't want to sit in the line of cars to park, you can take Muni, which is the name of the bus system in San Francisco's number 39 line. And it travels between Coit Tower and Fisherman's Wharf. So you could either do Coit Tower and then take the bus to Fisherman's Wharf or vice versa. But definitely, if you want to get there, use Muni Bus 39. That will take you to it. Good tip. And moving right along, we're now going to take you to Union Square. Now, this is one of my favorite places because it's a huge shopping district, not because of that. That's not my mm-hmm. reason. And it does have a four stories Macy's. And again, that's not the reason why. But I met Donald Trump. Yes, our president, mm-hmm. Donald Trump, in that four story Macy's with Jamal. And not only did I meet him, I swindled him. So this is a good story. This is back in 2005. So obviously, like, he's not our president just yet. And I'm with Jamal, my best friend, and one of Jamal's really close buddies. We're coming down the escalator, and there's a lady down there waiting for us to get off the escalator. And you can see that she works there. She has perfume in her hands. So you know that she's like going to try to sell you something. So as soon as I get down, she pulls out the perfume and she's like, oh, have you tried Donald Trump's new cologne? And I'm like, no. And it didn't smell very good at all, by the way. It definitely didn't smell good. I can agree with you on that one, Zaina. (laughs) Yeah. So she basically said that if you buy the cologne, you get to meet Donald Trump. Not only do you get to meet Donald Trump, you also get a free copy of his book that he just wrote and he will sign it for you. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want this cologne. So I asked her point blank, oh, okay, well, if I buy this cologne, can I return it same day? And she laughed because she knew where I was going with that. And she's like, yeah, actually, you know, it is refundable. And I was like, great, I'll buy a cologne, please. So (laughs) I bought a cologne and I got in line to meet Donald Trump. Did you get the book for free? Yeah. So you get the book for free purchasing the cologne. So I'm waiting in line behind like these velvet ropes and my best friend Josh comes over to give me something. And as he like comes over and goes under the ropes, he looks around and realizes no one stopped him. And I've already shown my receipt for the perfume to get into the line. So he doesn't have to prove that he bought the perfume or the cologne, I should say, because he's already there in line, right? So as he's standing there, we look at each other and laugh. And I'm just like, dude, just stay here and meet Donald Trump and get a book yourself. And he's like, okay. So then we wave over Jamal and Anthony so they can come discreetly get in line as well. And they do one at a time. So there we are, four of us. I've only purchased one cologne. Every single one of us got a book, got to meet him, got his autograph. I know, right? And then I returned to the cologne. So we got four books for free. (laughs) We all met Donald Trump and I didn't even pay a penny for the cologne because I got it returned. So I did shake his hand because I knew that he hates shaking people's hands because he's kind of a germaphobe. And then Jamal, tell us about your experience. Yeah, well, I just want to say before I mention my experience, we always talk about liking to fuck things hard when we get a good deal and we did a little <laughs> fuck him hard on that one oh, i will yeah. say you know returning his cologne and getting the free autograph quadruple yeah quadruple fuck him hard i guess <laughs> <laughs> that one but anyway so we got in line and zayn and i shook his hand along with our friends who were with us and i asked if we can take a photo and then you, you guys say i have an infamous scoff he scoffed at me and was like oh, we got a line let's move it along That was his response to me then. So politics aside, uh, I don't think he's grown to be a nice person uh, with time either. He was always kind of uh, the way he is even back then, too. And I can attest to that from firsthand experience. That was my Donald Trump adventures (laughs) in San Francisco while he was promoting his clothing fashion line or whatever it is that you want to call at Macy's in Union Square. Good story, guys. That's just the kind of stuff you can see in Union Square. It's such a bustling area of the city. 
So now we're going to a different part of the city. We're going to Lombard Street and super interesting. It's actually part of US Highway 101 and its claim to fame is it is the world's most crookedest street. (laughs) And it has like eight different switchbacks. It receives approximately 2 million visitors a year. 270 cars go down an hour. And there's just so much traffic on the street due to it being such a famous street that there's actually talks about regulating how many people can go down the street at a time and possibly charging a fare to drive down to the street now. They're thinking about doing that because Lombard is a big street in San Francisco, but this one specific spot of Lombard is on such a steep hill that they can't make it a straight road. They have to make it a crooked road like Brittany said, pretty much switchbacks. And this portion of it, that switchbacks paved in these beautiful bricks. It's not just asphalt. It's not concrete. It's beautiful brick laid roads. And people actually live on this street. So the people who live on the street on the area that everyone wants to go to are pretty much to an extent tired of everybody seeing it as a tourist attraction, even though here we are promoting it as such because it is such an iconic place in San Francisco. Definitely a must see. So maybe by the time you listen to this and go, they may have instituted that fee. But as of now, they have not. But it is a sight to see. So do check it out if you can drive down it. If not, and you are walking. Walking, walk down it. It's really cool. I wonder, like, in order to get to your garage, because it's been a while since I've been to Lombard, but do you get in the garage from the the main Lombard Street or a back alley? Because can you imagine going out shopping and doing your things and then coming home and you're like, oh, shit, I really got to pee. I got to pee. I got to pee. And then you have to wait like 30 minutes to go down the Lombard Street to get your to your driveway. That's a good question. You know, I'm trying to remember how the houses look. I I don't know, but I imagine some of the garages are uh, in the front. Anyways, Lombard Street, you'll recognize it. It's in all the movies. It's an iconic place to see. So from Lombard, we are going to take you to Twin Peaks. I love this landmark in San Francisco. What it is are two large hills on the top of the city. So very specifically, 925 feet. There's only one mountain, Mount Davidson, that's higher at 928 feet. So they're super high. You get a beautiful overlook of the city. You can see the Golden Gate Bridge, the Bay Bridge, the whole city, the water. It's gorgeous. Only caveat is that as San Francisco can be, if it's foggy, your view is not going to be visible. So watch the weather on the day you want to go up. Luckily, it's only about a 20 minute drive from downtown. It's a free open air natural attraction. So it doesn't cost anything. But it's so pretty when you get a nice clear day and a beautiful view. I've actually never been to Twin Peaks. So the next time I'm I'm back in the city, I'm going to have to go check it out. Yes, you will. I've been to Twin Peaks a couple times, as you heard, obviously not with Brittany since she hasn't been. But I like this spot a lot too, Kim, because of its prominence and elevation. It's the one spot where you can really see an entire view of all of San Francisco, the surrounding Bay Area, the whole peninsula itself. The one caveat, like you said, can't be a foggy day, but when it is a clear view, it's absolutely amazing and breathtaking up there. No better views of the city than from there. Next place in San Francisco that I'm super excited to talk about is Baker Beach. Why do I love it? Because it's clothing optional. (laughs) It's a bit nippy out there in San Francisco, though, huh? Hey, you get a nice day and just strip on down. You can also have dogs out there. So I've seen some interesting people with their dogs and bearing it all. It's free. It's a free beach. You can pull up your car. I, I have never had any trouble finding parking. So that's great. I've definitely seen people swim there. And the really, really cool thing about it is not just all the naked people running around, but it's right under the Golden Gate Bridge. So you have gorgeous views of the Golden Gate Bridge right above you on the beach. It's a great place to take pictures hang out it's a super chill place and you know get a nice tan no tan lines yeah and what i really like about baker beach also 
is that this beach is on the ocean side. A lot of the stuff in San Francisco is on the bay side. So this is actually on the ocean side. So really, really cool in that area. But if you are going to bear it all, get a little nippy out on the beach and get in the water, do be careful for two reasons. One, water's freezing in San Francisco. And two, going back to what we were talking about, about Alcatraz, there are a lot of great whites in that area along the beach. So they're not known to have lots of shark attacks, but do have that in the back of your mind. That is a very prominent great white shark area, Baker Beach. So I think that pretty much sums up most of the activities and sites to see in San Francisco, with the exception of one more site, which is, (laughs) you guys know, we love to go visit houses. Like randomly, when we were in Boulder, we saw the John Benet Ramsey house. When we were in Arkansas, we were considering driving by Bill Clinton's house. When we were in Chicago, we saw the Family Matters house. (laughs) Yes. Like... Lifetime achievement for me right there to see the Family Matters house. Oh, my God. So growing up, I watched Full House all the time. And you can actually see the Full House house in San Francisco. It's still there. It still looks just as cool. Still there. And there's a big green park across from the area. So lots of people not even necessarily go look at the house, although they do. It is a nice area within the city just to escape sit and relax and have a good time. So do go check that out for sure if that's something that you're into. But we talked about the things to do and see in San Francisco. I can't not mention this, being such a big baseball fan, San Francisco Giants fan. If you're in the city in San Francisco, do yourself a favor and go check out a San Francisco Giants game. Right now, we know with COVID going on, there is no live sporting events. But once all this is behind us, rest assured, one of the best things and fun activities you can do in San Francisco is check out a San Francisco Giants game. They have, in my biased opinion, one of the most beautiful ballparks in the entire country. And you would be remiss if you didn't go. I absolutely agree. I think the park, it it is the most beautiful park that I've ever been to. I love that you can walk around the whole thing. My favorite place to sit, I'll tell you guys, but just don't give away the secret to everybody. But it's actually in the 300 section. So it's on the third level at the first baseline. Even though it's on the third level, you still have a great view of the players. You have all the action in the first baseline, more so than the other side of the park. You can see the kayaks down below. So when they hit home runs, which they do all the time, the people in the kayaks will go get the balls. And it's a whole little experience in the water over there. You can see the Bay Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge, the whole city and the game. It's a beautiful place to sit in the park. And the seats are fairly cheap, too. Yeah, I love the San Francisco Giants ballpark. And what Kim's talking about, about the kayakers, the ballpark is right along the water. And when they hit home runs, if they're hitting it out of right field, it lands in what's called McCovey Cove, which is part of the bay. So a bunch of people in kayaks are just sitting out there waiting for a home run ball. And if it splashes down in there, you should see the mad dash of everyone in their kayaks trying to go catch that ball. It's uh, quite a sight to see, that's for sure. I think that McCovey Cove could actually be a really good experience for somebody coming in the post-COVID era where you can't attend the actual game. If you're social distancing in your kayak out there, a lot of people bring TVs too or little radios. You know, everybody has a TV on their phone now. So that's actually a really great idea if you're coming to San Francisco in 2020 or even 2021, if this is still going on. That is a really good idea. I might just go rent a kayak and uh, listen to a game from the outside of McCovey Cove. This episode is just making me want to fly to San Francisco right now. (laughs) Another event that I love so much in San Francisco is the San Francisco Gay Pride Parade and Festival. It's insane in San Francisco. It's a whole weekend long event on Sunday. There's a parade and then they close down the streets and the parades turn into musical stages and it's just a huge festival. It's so much fun. It's free. Everyone there is so nice. It's honestly like one of the craziest parties in San Francisco. Super fun. It is fun. It is wild. I've been to, um, I I don't know if it's several or just one. I can't remember, but I know that I've been to it. And what I remember also is they have like so many porta potties and the porta potties are so gross. Why are they not gross? (laughs) 
That is true. That is true. But Pride Parade and Festival is not to be missed. It is a wild time. It is a great time. Like Kim said, people are so friendly. People are walking around naked sometimes too. Like it is just, (laughs) yes. I remember one year, I think it was my first year ever going to any Pride Festival, and it was the San Francisco Pride. And my friends and I, I was with two other girls, and we made friends with these people who had pasties that they were giving out. So what do we do? We take our shirts off. We put pasties on. We're walking around Pride. And everybody that we would pass, because there's a lot of tourists in San Francisco, everybody would say, can we take a picture with you guys? So the three of us were like the star of the Gay Pride Festival. And we have a lot of random photos out there with strangers. Is that going on our story post? You know, if I had the picture, I would do it. But they are all on other people's phones or cameras. Damn. (laughs) one day we might find them. (laughs) So if any of our listeners happen to be at that same pride Kim was at and (laughs) you took a photo, send it in to us so that we can post it on our stories for everyone else to enjoy too. What year was this, Kim? It was probably 2008 or 2009. There we have it. If you went to Pride in 2008 (laughs) or 2009. (laughs) With three topless pasties girls, let us know. (laughs) Another wild event, and this is the last event we're going to talk about in San Francisco, is the Bay to Breakers race. And Kim and I actually went and did this race when we were 12 years old with my mom. (laughs) And it's an annual foot race in San Francisco, typically on the third Sunday of May. And a lot of people wear costumes, or if they don't wear a costume, they choose to wear no costume at all and run the race nude. That is so San Francisco. (laughs) Yes. And the complete course is 7.46 miles long. So when myself, Kim and my mom, as well as my mom's friends went, my mom had never been before. She had no idea what to expect. So we're on the sidelines watching people race (laughs) and people are coming down in their costumes. And then we see our first nude guy and Kim and I are 12 years old. And my mom's like, cover your eyes, cover your eyes. Don't look, don't look. (laughs) And then they just keep coming like nude person after nude person. So Kim and I started keeping track of how many nude men and how many nude women completed the race. (laughs) It was in the hundreds. I was going to say, do you remember the total? It was hundreds of men and I think two women. Super fun event, though. Yeah, super fun event. Really gives you uh, a feel for San Francisco's culture. And it was a great time. And that's something I just want to say to touch upon as we're closing out this episode here. You know, love it or hate it, right or wrong. As you can tell, San Francisco is a very tolerant city in what they allow people to get away with and certain things in terms of walking around naked for certain events, whether it be at Pride or Beta Breakers or the non-enforcement policy of smoking within Golden Gate Park and other things. So San Francisco is a very, very unique city for its tolerance in that sense and just for its sheer beauty and location within California and its surrounding area. San Francisco is not to be missed. I love it a lot. Did any of you ladies have any other final thoughts? Just want to say that the many, many times I've been to San Francisco, I've never felt unsafe. Even walking around four in the morning, I've never felt unsafe. So yes, it is a city and you have those city situations that you'll find in every city. Very, very safe. I just want to say that, Jamal, you talking about Claude, the albino alligator, (laughs) piqued my interest. So I had to Google him as we were recording. And according to Wikipedia, he was hatched on September 15th, 1995, making him 24 years old. That is an old alligator. God bless you, Claude. Thank you very much, Zana, for uh, giving our listeners that tidbit of information that I did not know about Claude. I I, I had to know. (laughs) And now we know. (laughs) Well, that's all we have for you today. Thank you guys for listening to our San Francisco episode. Keep the adventures going with us. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, at Travel Squad Podcast. We have a Facebook group called the Travel Squad Mob. You can come in and join our community there. Tag us in the adventures that you're going on. And please send us in those questions of the week. And if you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please share it with a friend that will enjoy it too. As always, guys, please subscribe, rate and review our podcast, and be sure to rate and review us on YouTube just as well, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Make sure to pack your bags and grab your swimsuit, because next week we are taking you to all three of Florida's national parks. 
Florida. It's going to be hot. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.